This is who you were. This is who he is. This is who you are now. This is your identity. Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our first week in our series we've titled Chosen. Now, this is not based upon the TV series, The Chosen. This is based upon the book of Joel, a book, as we will see, that was written to a people that had fallen away from God, but were his chosen people. And we're going to be linking it to our own lives and the fact that we are now God's chosen people, every single one of us. And he has a call on our lives to reflect him, just like he did to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Now, if you would begin with me, we're just going to look at the life of Abraham briefly and see how this was brought through the ages in the nation of Israel. Back in Genesis chapter 12, you can go read from 12 to 26, the life of Abraham and what he did that, that God saw in him that caused him to make out of him the chosen nation. But in Genesis 12, 3, God established that he would bless the nations through Israel. And then again, in Genesis 26, 4, he looks at Abraham and he says that through his offspring, all the world would be blessed. Because of Abraham's faith and his dedication to follow God and do what seemed ridiculous, he was viewed at as God's man. He had a heart for God and was willing to do whatever God asked him to. And then we fast forwarded to the book of Isaiah hundreds of years after. And God looks down on the nation of Israel, in particular in the city of Jerusalem. And he says this, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness, as black as night, covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. Here it is again. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. God blessed Israel so that they could be a blessing to the nations. That was God's original intent for the nation of Israel. Was that when when they saw that city, that city on the hill, they would see God and they would want a relationship with him. They would turn from their gods and they would worship the one true God. But as we will read, the nation of Israel had fallen far from God. Now, we need to understand also that we're all sinners. We're all people that are incapable of being perfect. That's why God established all the sacrificial systems where they would offer up the blood of goats and sheep and all sorts of different things that they had to bring as an offering to God to make themselves right with him. But they had stopped doing that. They had fallen so far from God that they no longer followed the practices that would make them right with God. And in essence, they just turned their backs on him 100% and started following other gods. And in the time of Joel, we had 
what we understand of that timeline is the northern tribes, all the tribes except for the tribe of Judah, the one remaining of the twelve, they'd all been put into exile. They'd been put into slavery. They'd, they'd had to intermarry with other, other national people, and they were no longer the tribe that they once were. They were no longer true Israelites, the people of God. Their land was stripped bare and replaced with other nations. They were no more. And the nation of Judah had gotten so bad that they were in the trajectory of the same thing. And that's what we're going to read. But listen, listen to 2 Kings 11 when this book, Joel, was written. This is the history of what was going on at that time. When Athaliah, this was the queen, the mother of King Ahaziah of Judah, learned that her son was dead, so the king was dead, and the mother was in rule at this time now, she began to destroy the rest of the royal family, right? Her son was dead, and she saw all of the brothers, and she knew that they would come to power. She didn't want that. She had raised this one son, Ahaziah, to be despicable, to be a terrible person, to be far from God. She was following the lines of all the evil rulers that were before her. So she killed all of her other sons. But Ahaziah's sister, Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Ahaziah's infant son, Joash, and stole him away from among the rest of the king's children who were about to be killed. She put Joash and his nurse in a bedroom, and they hid him from Athaliah, so the child was not murdered. Jo Joash remained hidden in the temple of the Lord for six years while Athaliah ruled over the land. That's where the nation was at the time of the book of Joel. A mother twisted who'd kill all of her other potential rulers in her family line so that they would not rule and she could rule in power. That's twisted. And so we come to the book of Joel. And here is what his pronouncement is from God to what was about to happen because they were refusing to turn from these evil practices back to God. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell your children about it and let your children tell their children and their children the next generation. What the devouring locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust has left, the young locust has eaten. And what the young locust has left, the destroying locust has eaten. We have devouring locusts, swarming locusts, young locusts, and destroying locusts. There's going to be wave upon wave upon wave of locusts or grasshoppers that are about to come in and destroy the land. Like this isn't a nation coming to destroy them. This isn't some plague. This is animals that were going to come and be so thick that they would destroy every vegetation. And here's what's going to be remaining. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you wine drinkers, because of the sweet wine, for it has been taken from your mouth. For a nation has invaded my land. Now, this is not like a nation. This is like the locusts. They're as big as a nation, right? They are more powerful and without number. Its teeth as teeth of a lion and as fangs of a lioness. It has devastated my grapevine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off its bark and thrown it away. Its branches have turned white. Grieve 
Like a young woman dressed in sackcloth, mourning for her husband of her youth, grain and drink offerings have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests who are ministers of the Lord mourn. The fields are destroyed. The land grieves. Indeed, the grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up and the fresh oil fails. Be ashamed, you farmers. Wail, you vine dressers, over the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The grapevine is dried up and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranates, the date palm, and the apples, all the trees of the orchard have withered. Indeed, human joy has dried up. It's going to be so bad that there's going to be nothing left. Grasshoppers sent by God to be destroyed. Here's the beautiful thing of this passage. God still gives them a way out. God has sent so many people to the to the land of Israel. Now the northern tribes had enough and they no longer were around because they refused. But God still gave hope to the line of David. Here's what he says to them. So that they cannot be destroyed permanently. Dress in sackcloth and lament, you priests. Wail, you ministers of the altar. Come and spend the night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God. Because the grain and drink offerings are withheld from your house of your God. So first thing they're supposed to do is the leaders were to lament, to mourn, to wail, to put on sackcloth, to audibly make everybody know something's going on, to wear sackcloth so that they could visibly see that there was a massive distress going on. It started with the leaders. They were the ones responsible for everything that had happened, and now it was their responsibility to make amends, to lead the way. And then he goes on. Announce a sacred fast, right? A, a fast is a removal from, from distractions to be focused back on God. Now, this is, of course, food, but they weren't just calling for food. They were calling for a, a total fast, like removal of anything that would get in between them and God. And then proclaim an assembly, gather the elders, gather all the residents of the land at the house of the Lord your God and cry out to Lord. It's was a time where they were absolutely taking everything away from themselves so that they could be in the presence of God. Now we'll hear what happens next week, but for right now what I want to do is I want to link this to ourselves. God wants us to come alive as well. Because here's the reality. <laughs> The nation of Israel and the land of Judah, eventually, they all turned away from God. And Jesus came so that we could have a way. But the reality is, is we are fallen people. We have the same problem that the nation of Israel had. Right? Paul says it this way in Romans 3.23, that every one of us will stray. Every one of us. Though as we read in 
1 Peter 2, 9, we are a chosen race, we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Though that is our call, we all sin. We all fall short. Or as Isaiah 53, 6 says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. God has provided a way for us to be right with him, to be that royal priesthood, that holy nation, that people set apart for himself. But we need to be right with him. God has provided a way through his son. And for those of us who have made Jesus our Lord and Savior, he has forgiven us of all of our sins and cleansed us from all unrighteousness, yet we still sin. And there's where the issue remains. We need forgiveness. Now, the beautiful thing that's different between us and Israel is we don't have to offer up blood sacrifices to make ourselves right with God every single year. That was one and done with Jesus Christ on the cross and him rising from the dead. But we in our hearts need to be cleansed. We don't need to offer up sacrifices or proclaim Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord over and over again. But we need to make our hearts right with him. Here's how God spells it out for us in the word. First step is to spend time in God's presence, to be with him. Psalm 46.10 put it this way. says, be still and know that I am God. Have you had still moments with him? Take time to be with him. God has called you to be a chosen people. To set you up. To be a light on the hill. But you can't reflect something that you don't spend time with. You need to reflect him by spending time with him. As we, we separate ourselves, when we do things that are in opposition of what he's called us to, when we beat up our brother and make an excuse and say, oh, he looked at me wrong, right? Who didn't do that as a kid? Or when you get older, you cheat on a test. Like, oh, I, I didn't really cheat that bad. It was just looking over the paper next to me to make sure I was right. Sin separates from us and what God has called us to. All that, I know, I know I probably should have given for that cause, but we, we want to save up and make sure we have enough money for our vacation. That's a separation between what God has called us to and what we want. Because we always are doing stuff that separates us from God. So what we need to do is get back to spending time with him. Because when we spend time with him, our hearts start reflecting him. It starts getting in line with him. And so just like the Israelites, we must remove any distractions and get on our face and be with him. I cannot exemplify that enough for you today. If you want connection with God, if you want to experience the life that he has for you, you have to give him time to be in his presence. Let him speak into your heart. 
You need it. Second step is to admit your need for forgiveness. You get into his presence, and the first thing you need to do is get on your face and say, I have sinned. I have made mistakes. I know it. Even those things that I do that I don't even realize I do, I'm not, a, I'm not aware of. I'm not self-aware in that area of my life. I, I'm, I'm just here, God. I'm a broken person in need of forgiveness. The beautiful thing is, just like First John 1, 9 says, he is faithful, he is just, he will forgive you of your sins, and he will cleanse you of anything that's not right. He will forgive you. Spend time with him. Admit your need for forgiveness. And then turn from those things. Right? It's repentance. It's turning from what you know you're doing and go in a different direction. Now, I want to encourage you that that only comes because you're spending time with him. You're allowing the spirit to work in you and empower you to truly repent. Right? We need to ask for forgiveness. God, I've made wrong. I need your forgiveness. But then we need to repent and not keep doing it. I want to encourage you because that's where I get really frustrated and beat up and I beat myself up more than anything, right? It's because I come and I ask for forgiveness again. God, I need your forgiveness. I've done it again. I've blown it again. And I want to repent, but I just don't know how. And so often, the reason I continue to go around that mountain over and over again is because I'm not giving him enough time to work in my heart. I'm not spending enough time in his presence to help, to get, to allow myself to have that, that time with him that I need to have the strength to do what I need to do because I can't do it in my own power. I need to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives when I'm with him. So it all comes back to that being in his presence. This is not a quick thing. This is not a microwave thing. This is not a fast food thing, right? This is a, we need to sit, do a slow cook with God and let him transform. Sometimes that may just look like a few hours. Sometimes that is years of being in his presence, and you look back and you say, wow, he has changed me. I went around that mountain a bunch of times, but each time I went around it, he worked in me a little bit more. Repentance sometimes is a process. Don't get discouraged. Don't stop trying. Seek him. Seek him. So even though all of us will fail, want you to be reminded today that you don't have to be trapped in this cycle of sin. You can break free. You can come alive. You can become that choice, chosen man or woman of God that he created you to be. It begins when you spend time with him, when you seek his forgiveness, and when you seek the power As we close today, I want to leave you with this quote by C.S. Lewis. And it simply says, the more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. The more we let him take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. You can come alive today. Run to him. Just like the Israelites, weep over those things that you know has caused you separation between him and you. Weep. Ask for forgiveness. And just spend time with him. Allow him to work in your heart to change you 
to help you to have that confidence again that you can become who he created you to be and then go in the power of the Holy Spirit have a different tomorrow. You can come alive. Father, I pray for every person today that they will come alive in you. They'll spend time in your presence. They won't skimp on that. They won't cut that short, but that they will spend that time. They will seek that forgiveness that they need to do first and foremost, and then they will slowly, through the power of the Holy Spirit, find the courage to repent and to go forward anew in you. They can do this in Jesus Christ. In your mighty name. Thank you for joining us today, Nexus Church family. And encourage you to come back next week when we take a look at the second part of this series in the book of Joel. All the church. See you then.